Welcome to the Equipping You podcast, where our mission is to equip Alliance pastors and leaders to live spiritually healthy lives and lead healthy churches. Equipping You is a ministry of the Christian and Missionary Alliance. For more information on this podcast and other ministries of the Alliance, visit equippingyou.org. Hey, 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 welcome back to Equipping You podcast. This is season eight, episode nine, eight, nine, eight, nine. We're coming to you today from Columbus, Ohio, home of the Park of Roses. Let me describe that to you. It is a park with roses. Wow. I did not see that coming. Yeah. How unique. I'm Jerry, church ministries leader for the Alliance. I'm Alan, director of development in Eastern PA Alliance. Isaac Charles is here with us as well, producing our podcast episodes. So today, our guest will be Mark Byram. Mark is a former Alliance IW who is now uh, technically called Executive Pastor of Outreach and Care at Appleton Alliance Church, but he's a missions pastor, a missions mobilizer. That he is. And there's going to be a lot of good stuff in this for those who do that kind of work in local churches, whether you're a volunteer in a small church or whether you're on staff in a large church, yep. there are going to be nuggets for you to uh, to get here. Alan, you met Mark at Converge in I January did. of I 2022. Did. Yes, I did meet him then. And, uh, you know, made a great first impression. I remember you and I uh, chatted there briefly aside and said, uh, we got to get him on the podcast. And so today is a fulfillment of that. It is indeed. So grab yourself a Lester's Fixin' Sweet Corn Soda. What in the tarnation <laughs> is that? I don't have a clue, but grab one anyway. <laughs> Drink at your own risk. <laughs> Sit back. Relax. Here we go. And we're pleased to welcome to Equipping You Podcast, Mark Byram. Mark, thanks for being with us today. Great to be with you. I think this is great. So it's a privilege to get a chance to interact with you. Well, we thank you for the time. So uh, give us a digest version of your spiritual journey, if you would, how you came to know Jesus and uh, maybe two or three leaders who have been especially influential in your life and ministry along the way. Sure. Uh, that's a great question. Uh, I, I'm a piece of this heritage where a family is impacted by uh, my mom and dad coming to Christ mid thirties and wow. wanting to uh, find a place uh, to uh, really be fed and grow and starting to attend an Alliance church yeah. in North central Ohio. And uh, right around that same time that both my mom and dad came to Christ, uh, I, I understood the gospel visiting a friend's church, but uh, you know, I was like nine years old and jumped right in and was just really blessed to grow in my faith as part of that church family. The youth group had a huge impact into me. I would even tell you that uh, my heart for missions really had roots in being a part of the Lions family because we had so many different workers coming through from all around the world. I literally could just kind of start rattling off names of people that I look to as having a part of planting the seed for the lost in my heart. Um, I got to attend Life Conference several different times, and uh, that was a huge impact into my life, too, both 
from a perspective on going on the deeper life of sanctification, realizing, uh, surrendering uh, my whole heart and allowing the Holy Spirit to have full control and and growing in that and learning. But um, I just had a number. I mean, I would tell you, uh, being a part, uh, I asked my parents if I could go to a Christian high school, I ended up going to Mansfield Christian. This is North Central Ohio huge impact into my life. Part of that was just trying to be ready and prepared uh, for ministry. And they gave me tons of different opportunities to be a part of that. And then uh, going on to uh, uh, Asbury College, now it's Asbury University and uh, intercultural study major that had a huge, huge impact and a bunch of the different kinds of experiences that went along with the degree was really incredible. Different people speaking in my life through this whole journey, going on to Alliance Theological over in NIAC. And looking back over these years, um, we ended up uh, doing what they call ALME now. I, I kind of prefer the old-fashioned term home service because it just makes sense. Uh, we served out in Seattle. My wife, Debbie, and I, we met in college and Went through seminary and all this, but to do a few years before going overseas with a call to uh, and a desire to serve with the Alliance. Uh, Kelvin Gardner, who was the lead pastor, kicking off my time at at the time it was North Seattle Alliance, had a big impact into our lives and yeah. how he invested in us. He eventually became the DS there, hmm. uh, but uh, just spoke in and walked with us through that uh, early on journey, getting ready to go overseas taking time to really know our hearts and walking us through this journey that we were really, you know, on the edge of, of getting ready to go. Uh, another person would be uh, Trent Thornton. Some of you might know yeah, yeah. Uh, Trent Sharon, who have been serving as regional, uh, the regional couple over, I think we're changing all the names on these different regions yeah, of the yeah. world, but they were basically over China, Mongolia, Russia and uh, Central Asia, small part of the world, you know. Oh yeah, but uh, <laughs> just, just a couple acres. Yeah, these guys. Uh, I appreciate Trent so much because he's a veteran, having served in in Hong Kong, Russia at Black Forest Academy, and he was the kickoff field director in Bosnia Herzegovina, where we ended up serving. Mm -hmm. And I just love Trent, basically walking with me and speaking into my life in a way that he was a, had. I, we had a strong level of trust and he could say the hard stuff and challenge me uh, in how I was doing what I was doing, but in a way that just encouraged me to be better, to go deeper. And uh, that relationship has continued for many years since then. We, I, I lean into trend if I'm asking somebody for some advice and perspective. And I'm going to just wrap up this whole idea of, of influencers. This one was kind of interesting uh, Touring as an IW, uh, I happened to be at a church down in the Orlando area and had a chance to hang out with uh, Dr. David Rambo uh, yeah. Wow. Yeah. on the tail end of his ministries. And 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 uh, one thing I really enjoyed, it, it, this gives you a perspective on someone that speaks into your life. I remember him asking me to go out for lunch and uh, he, he said, you know, tell me your story. And I, I gave him maybe a little more of this uh, re Reader's Digest version, but he was like, I want to hear your whole story. And so yeah. we ended up having a really long lunch, and it's so good to have somebody that just really wants to know the nuances of what you've been through. And he did that, and he also had a piece of helping me to get in at, at Asbury Theological 
seminary for their doctorate program with the Beeson, which him and his wife helped to start. Yeah. And he coached me and encouraged me to think about that. And I ended up going into that program. And uh, my cohort had Dr. Rambo for one of his very last classes that he taught before he passed away. And wow. uh, he continued not just to speak into my life, but uh, my whole cohort of nine of us that were from all around the world. I was only in the North the only North American guy that was a part of that whole group and continue to connect to these guys. And yes, uh, that's just a picture of someone speaking into your life and God opens up the doors for them to continue to uh, impact you. That's relationship and long-term relationship is powerful. Absolutely. That's a picture. Good word. I, uh, very first district conference I ever went to as a young youth pastor, I, just happened to bump into David Rambo and the lead pastor of our church invited him to have breakfast with us. And I had no idea who I was talking to and it, but he was so down to earth, so encouraging. And I just loved, you know, I didn't know how to treasure that at the time. Uh, but it was, it was a, what a gift. So, so, uh, tell us about your years as an Alliance IW, what kind of ministries were you involved in? What were some of the joys and heartaches of that? Well, uh, we ended up, uh, we were wide open to where we would go in the world. Uh, these days it's a little different. You're really looking at a specific ministry opportunity. Mm-hmm. But back then they gave us three options because they were like, we're, we're going to go where you need us to go. So Indonesia, Russia, and the last one was Bosnia Herzegovina, which uh, really wasn't on our radar in 98, just a few years after the war, we were thinking little kids and uh, landmines and toddling feet don't go together. That was my wife's wow. first reaction. Mm-hmm. But God made it really clear that Bosnia Herzegovina over in the former Yugoslavia was where we would be going. So we landed there in 99 and jumped into a ministry that was about partnering with a local evangelical national church coming alongside them to help them do church planting and leadership development. And uh, after a few years of studying the local Slavic language, Serbo-Croatian, we jumped into walking alongside uh, Bosnian pastors in their ministry and uh, doing creative ministry to try to break through into place that was pretty dark. Even today, there's, I would say, one tenth of one percent would in Bosnia Herzegovina would really understand the gospel yeah. and be following after Christ. So there's still such a need, and I I miss that place and and love what it's about. I was going to give highlights. Uh, there's one side of ministry where you get to speak into somebody's life. And uh, uh, this is not where you're necessarily, oh, the, the mentor to that national church leader, but you're just flat out building a long-term relationship in Bosnia Herzegovina that translated into lots of cups of coffee, you know, the Turkish yep. uh, Bosnian style coffee with a little sludge on the bottom, uh, <laughs> espresso on steroids, but uh, boy, uh just talking at a heart level, spending a lot of time with these guys, and you know you're making an impact when you've been there speaking into somebody's life for a while, and you hear them bringing up things that they've made their own. It actually has no connection back to you, but you know you had a piece of that, and you know you're 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 just open to the Holy Spirit's nudging to be a part of that person's growth. And I could say I've seen that at various times with some of the leaders I got to interact with so much. And what a blessing. And and uh, it, it really, for long-term impact, is long-term relationship, both with locals and in spreading the gospel, especially in a Muslim context. 
Uh, people usually aren't just coming to Christ overnight. It's a it's a process. Yeah. Even discipling them before they become a Christian, you might say that sounds like Maxine Warren, but no, this is uh, a lot of times a Muslim will be walking through uh, this journey of trying to understand Christianity, and you're you're they're participating in activities and things, and they are understanding parts and pieces of what it means to follow Christ. And when they make that commitment, they're very close to being a mature Christian at the time of conversion because they've just really been a walk through the basics of, of faith. And, and a lot of times they're pious, want to really live a godly life, but they haven't understood the gospel. So that's a pretty interesting thing that you at times see in the, in the Muslim world yeah. uh, challenges. Um, it's, it, I think probably the hardest part for, for Bosnia was that it did take a long time to see results. Mm-hmm. And even today, I would say the team there, it's challenging. Uh, it's a it's a complicated part of the world, uh, and when we first got there, there was a lot of humanitarian work going on, and there was more openness to the gospel than there is today in certain ways, just because people were desperate and they were open uh, to hear something different. But now, as things have settled into more of a pattern where people are maybe a little more comfortable, it's just harder to break into their lives, and we we saw that we had to get more creative in how we did ministry opened up a, a community center in downtown Sarajevo back in 08 that's still going today uh, using English and other kind of touch points to be able to rub shoulders with locals in Sarajevo there. Mm-hmm. Tenacity and uh, innovation are really huge keys to, if you think about any of our workers serving overseas these mm. days, because we're not going where the easy fruit is. <laughs> we're yeah, going no, where no, we're not. it's challenging. Yeah. <laughs> And those two things, you know, that you're going to hang in there and really trust the Lord and you're in it for the long haul. Also, uh, just really being creative, letting the Holy Spirit, God, or God's a creative God, and helping us to be creative on how we come up with different ways to present the gospel. We were we had, we needed to come back uh, back in 2011 to uh, get medical care for one of our, our kids. And that was what brought us back. Or we'd still be there. Yeah. That, that probably was the most challenging thing having to return mm. when I still, you know, we felt called to, to Bosnia Herzegovina for a lifetime. We, mm. we wanted to be there uh, to see it through, but uh, God gave us different marching orders. That's why, why I'm up here in Wisconsin. If you told me 10 years ago, I would have been in Wisconsin in this big Alliance church as a mission pastor. I probably would have laughed at you because I was so focused where I was at, but mm. I had some different plans and it's been it a, a good journey. It does. So uh, talk about your relationships, Mark, with local Alliance churches during your years as an international worker. What did you observe and experience that informs your current role? Uh, The good, the bad, and the ugly. (laughs) (laughs) That's a great question. Uh, I, you know, for me, I loved being on tour. At times it's hard, you know, you're on the road and things have changed a little bit these days back. At that time, you'd be out for a two month tour with maybe one week break in the middle of it, coming back home. Um, but I loved getting a chance as an international worker to just rub shoulders, not only just telling our story, giving a, a church family a chance to understand what in the world's going on, but a chance to listen to a, a pastor or a lead pastor or ministry team and ask them questions. And then a chance to have the ministry of, 
really being intentional to know what in the world's going on in their location. Um, I, I would tell you that actually what I just described to you really flavors how I see the whole idea of uh, international workers and churches and relationship. It really has the mutuality is a word I've, I've used with my team on site right now is that we both have a piece of it. It's not just what you're going to do for me, but mm-hmm. what I can do for you. Yes. And I think that's so important as a church builds relationship with specific workers over a long term. Uh, it really impacts both ways and it should be that way. And I know pastors, when you, when you're the IW coming through and you're not only just talking about yourself, but you're really concerned and want to understand what they're going through. That's reflective of what I really believe uh, sending, you know, um, the sending church is all about this kind of long-term connection. Um, not everybody thinks that way. And I would always, if I'm giving anybody some coaching on how you interact with churches, that's a centerpiece of what I would share because uh, sometimes there's little interest in, in what's going on around the world because those that are connected don't show any interest in what's going on locally. And I always say local and global go together hand in hand. They yes. really do. And for, for really uh, um, seeing the relationship between a church and an IW, that centerpiece, seeing that connection. And uh, we've seen that in our context where, uh, as we have more of our people are aware and praying to what's going on and the nuances of bridging the gospel on the other side of the globe, it really, when it's coming to fruition, fruition, our people are understanding how we can be cross-cultural workers in a sense right here. Because more than ever right now, we have to be students of culture right here in the States on figuring out how the gospel can be contextualized and made right understandable in our context. So it just, you know, in one sense, that heritage of the Alliance is something I absolutely love. Not every denomination has that. And we got this bonus of of this global and local connection that is incredibly powerful. Um, It it can be multiplied many over, many times over. Um, I'm trying to think ugly. Um, here, here's something, this will go back to when I first landed in Bosnia Herzegovina, I remember talking to one of our leadership saying, I never hear back from anybody. This is so stinking frustrating. And that was back when I was still sending snail mail letters, but we were just figuring out email and other kinds of things. And I'm like trying to reach out and tell everybody what's going on and wanting to know that someone actually seemed to care. And I was a little frustrated because Leadership kind of told me, well, that's just the way it is. You just got to put up with it. And I, I guess maybe that's a little bit of the tenacious spirit in me because I'm a I'm a networker and I didn't give up on that. I kept pressing and I really, I in a sense, I was really on behalf of not just my family, but our team about partnerships. And what I found out is that um, when you build the long-term relationship with real strong intentionality, good communication, when you get a chance to be on site, either direction, having somebody come your way or being at their church, in the long run, that can develop into something really, really powerful. And I would tell you, uh, the ugly is when you're just kind of going with the flavor of the year or just only which missionary is, you know, kind of short-term, te- short-term teams going out. Maybe we'll try this place or we'll try that place. Mm-hmm. Or 
you might be only locked into just which missionary happens to be coming through town and that's how you do your mission conference, but not have any long-term connections with maybe some district workers or people that might be from your church or that you might know. You're, you're just totally missing out. That's that's ugly. When you don't get a chance to build long-term, I think you're missing out in a huge piece of what is a picture of church and IW, international worker relationship. And I, I capitalize on that. That's what I function in. That's what I really tried to establish on behalf of our team and for our family. And it really paid off. We We would even get to the point where we wouldn't necessarily just have any church send a short-term team our way. It was really those churches that we had a long-term partnership that really knew how to send it a team. And they had people that had already been on site that really helped to prep a team to be really able to plug in well with what was going on specifically on the field where we were working. And any one of our team would be trying to get to these partnering churches when they were on you know, their furlough year back in the States. So that really is the nutshell of what I think about when I think about relationships with Alliance churches and IWs. Right. Yeah, that's great. You know, I love the thing that stood out to me. It was just the idea of mutuality. You know, I think a lot of people still have in mind that, oh yeah, this is how the Alliance wants us to support the missionaries, you know, that's a, and it feels very one way in their minds, you know, and they don't realize what a huge blessing it can be when you establish a real relationship that goes both ways. I mean, it's beautiful, you know, and a lot of churches are missing out on that because they're just thinking that's just, it's supposed to go one way. Uh, And I appreciate you telling the story. How about it wasn't just one way when you had those partners that really connected with you guys. So, you know, pastor of outreach and care at your church, right? But you have this, a big part of that is missions mobilization, right? So, Talk yes. to us uh, about what is the role of a missions mobilizer in a local church, whether they're paid or volunteer. Yeah. I go back to the idea that in that role, uh, it really is about being a leader and raising up leaders, those that mm-hmm. are passionate about the relationship. And again, back to that whole idea of the two-way relationship. Here's this underlying challenge to anybody that's mobilizing for global missions is this axiom, out of sight, out of mind. And it's just just like you take the little hammer and neck, you whack your kneecap to make you know the reflex happen. It's we're we're naturally focused on what's in front of our face, which is right here, you know. It, it, and to be able to have a focus on global, there needs to be incredible intentionality. A few keys that I always say, and I've experienced it myself, to seeing success for uh, lay or or pastoral staff for promoting missions is having lead pastor on board and having key leaders, lay leaders on board. And you put both of those together with uh, an intentional uh, mechanism of bringing your relationship with your workers, where you partner around the world in front of your people regularly, that translates into awareness and the the passion is contagious and it doesn't happen overnight. It's something you have to keep on building on yeah. long term. I, I've been a little sad in seeing a trend that we just do one mission Sunday a year and we call that our conference. Mm. 
I think we're really, really missing out on an opportunity with the amount of resources out there to uh, be able to share stories, share videos, show something on a Sunday morning, uh, other avenues uh, to connect with workers. We do, we've done Zoom online webinars where we invite a guest in and have a whole group of people interacting with our workers overseas. And if uh, you're, you're having an evening meeting, like I have a, one of our family serves over in, in France, uh, it would be past midnight when our meeting would be getting together over Zoom. So what I do is I do a Zoom recording. Hmm, wonder what we're doing right now. And uh, <laughs> I show it later and it works out great because it's, I just, I, I was interacting with uh, one of our guys, asking him a few key questions and I literally just showed it to a group on Monday night. I mean, that's like hands-on right now. Mm-hmm. Um, amount of other resources to be texting and and actually calling. I was on a call with one of our workers over in Guinea and he was, he was actually, uh, wait, no, it was Guinea. No, it was somebody in Morocco actually. And he was saying that, uh, uh, that the connection through, uh, you know, this, this app on my phone was better than their cell phone connection locally right there. And it's just, I mean, it's his sense that the world is much, much smaller and so for any leader in a church that's mobilizing for awareness and engagement globally, there's so many crazy resources to make this possible. There's, there's just so many different things out there. And so uh, really the job of somebody that's working in this context is about uh, being aware of those things, tapping into them and pulling people in so they're participant and in the know. I, I have to do a shout out for the Converge conference that yes. we have each year that keeps Please expanding, do. opening up to any church that really wants to have somebody coming out and plugging in and being more aware of all these resources and ways you can do this. I could tell you this and networking for what I do in my role at my church. I'm also rubbing shoulders with a whole bunch of other church leaders that are friends of mine where we learn from each other and brainstorm and share resources or ideas. And there's more ways to do that than ever within your district, with your district mobilizer, finding out who are some of the other churches that are thinking the same thing as you. Uh, Maybe there might be um, some district workers that you might want to collaborate with another church and coming up with some ideas of how you could send a team, short-term team, their direction together. Maybe your church doesn't have enough people to warrant a team just by yourself. Uh, yeah. Maybe there might be projects that you come together on related to what they're trying to do when they're coming through your district that you guys are aware of each other, maybe do a joint event. In my context, uh, my home district was Alliance Northwest, and I had developed a relationship with what I called a cluster of churches where each of those pastors was actually getting together within the network accountability support meetings that a lot of uh, districts have for their pastors. And at the very same time, they all had a focus on a local church plant together that they were kind of backing up, but also some partnerships globally that they were mutually connected into. And I found that that was a really great relationship uh, that allowed me to connect with a whole group of Alliance churches that weren't too far from each other. And I ended up calling it a cluster and it was, I thought it was a great idea and I saw some really good things come out of that. So again, there, there's some great networking opportunities that can help a lay person or a staff person or just the main lead 
pastor to figure th- some things out and get some help and to find ways to get a group of people around what's going on globally and get in the know and put feet to what that relationship looks like. So yeah. I could talk till the cows come home. I'm in Wisconsin. <laughs> up here. But, um, and it's well, early in the day, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I love your passion for it, man. Yeah, and, I do too. Uh, and you know, you mentioned converge, but you're a leader at converge too. So thank you for your contribution to that. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, I, I love it and I believe in it and I've been blessed by it. So, yeah. yeah. Wow. So back in the day we could get people to come out to eight day missions conference Sunday to Sunday mm-hmm. and, Every night, you know, well, that's not terribly realistic anymore. So talk to us about the value of having the international worker in the big gathering of the church, the weekend services versus the, you know, in a small group. What's what's the value of each? Well, I, I, I would have to tell you, Terry, that uh, I really believe in both the small and the large being yeah. important. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you have the worker on a Sunday, have a party, <laughs> give yeah. them a chance to speak, use audio visual, show some videos, have something afterwards, uh, whether it's the traditional amazing potluck that most churches can pull together to uh, maybe uh, a special event where people just get to rub shoulders in person. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think there's still the ability to not only have a worker come through on a Sunday, but to for a portion of the week, come up with some creative events where one, in our context, we do a Sunday to Sunday. I love that. I don't take that lightly, but we plug our worker into regular activities with, with student ministries, with children's ministries, with adult activities where they jump in and we make room that they can speak, interact in those contexts. So you're actually not even creating a new event. You're just plugging them into what your regular programming is. If you don't plug them in and you got them there, you're missing out. That's what I would say. So true. So and uh, one thing that I absolutely loved any place I was going is plugging in the worker with small groups in somebody's yeah. home. There's there's something that's just downright amazing when you get a worker into a home and you get a few families hanging out together that um, puts it over the top for the bond, the relational bond, connection, and a passion that results from that. And most churches have some small groups going on, or you can, I've done this in the past where we'll have several small groups get together for a larger barbecue or gathering or find some that might have a little bigger home and get a bunch of, a bunch of people together. So really, I would say there's no excuse not to emphasize the big, but also have plenty of opportunities for the small and get people involved. I mean, like the, from the side of the mobilizer when you have the global week, it's a great way to pull new people in that might be showing some interest and get them pulled in much deeper as you come up with some creative ways to highlight and uh, have opportunities for interaction. I would just say that it's not a real complicated thing. I think there's a lot of possibilities around both sides there. And, uh, you know, from the national office, we don't do the CDs anymore with Alliance Video Magazine. I mean, it's all digital online. It's super easy. And uh, I will tell you this, uh, like I just got a a video done by some of our workers over in Senegal. Talk about a kick butt awesome video that unpacks the needs, the focus of their ministry at a level that I'm just like, boy, this is professional. And I'm telling you, our people 
uh, are, are putting out those kinds of videos. So you have something at that professional level, but you yeah. do a little recording on, on Zoom or some other platform where you then show that up front. People are, you know, people are used to the kind of YouTube kind of look and it's not out of the box. You don't always have to feel like you do things at the highest professional level. I think yeah. doing creative, simple can really be effective, really, really effective. hundred percent. I think that is, I, I don't know how, any idea what the stats are for our churches taking advantage of those resources, but they are so well done. I can't imagine why in the world churches wouldn't use them because they're just, they're excellent. Yep. They're excellent. When you uh, talk about uh, those in-person relationships, you know, those small groups, sorry, I'm babbling here a little bit. And I apologize for that. But like, I, I think a lot of churches that Terry said have given up on like having big meetings every night, but you spoke real wisdom into just getting them in smaller groups that those can be so valuable. How does your team of people, because you know, yes, you do have this in your job description, but how does your team of volunteers help missions come alive uh, in your church? And, and how do you, what, how do you select certain people to be on your team? Great question. Well, you know, when I'm looking for people uh, to be a part of what we're doing globally, uh, my main source, it, it kind of builds on itself. As you have people that have been on a short-term trip and they get passionate, mm -hmm. that's an easy in right there because it's, you know, that passion for wherever they went is kind of imprinted on their hearts. Mm -hmm. And the next step is easy. And if you're in partnership with where you're sending teams, that just builds on itself right there. It means you instantly have people that are excited about this. In fact, the last uh, three families that we've sent out have all been connected to where they have gone because of going on short-term trips to that location. It wow. can be absolutely tied to it. Yeah. Um, and that it actually leads to a bit, little bit of the problem. You know, I, I've been seeing you get people involved and then they end up going and you're like, ah, you know, I had a great leader. Now they're gone. You know, and it, it's, it's a great, it's a good problem to have. Yes, that's sure a is. Good thing. It sure but is. It, it, it tells you that as you're investing in people, it, you know, there's an ongoing impact. And I would tell you, lean into young people. Uh, we just mm. had perspectives course. I don't know if anybody knows what perspectives, love perspectives world mission movement. Yeah. It is awesome. It is crazy intensive. It's 15 weeks. And I usually don't show people the textbook right away because it's literally <laughs> yeah. two inches yeah. thick. Yeah. I hear you. It's Not a reader. Long. Yeah, it's a reader. So most of the articles are only like uh, two to six pages that you're reading. And people can do at a reading level, which is more basic or certificate level. They can even take it for credit for uh, college or uh, university. But uh, I have seen so many people come out of that just on fire. Like here, I'm going to give you one centerpiece of what I picked up because we just hosted it at our church. This was actually for the first time in a long time. It talked about we are blessed to be a blessing. And you see that from Genesis through Revelation. It really encapsulates Amen. why in the world is the church engaged globally and locally? Because we're not just here to receive everything God has for us, me, me, me. We are here to uh, realize God's changing grace and his impacting power to bring that and bless the rest of the world. And that's what somebody that's sat in perspectives for uh 15 weeks comes out, they really get that. And they're actually asking the question, how can I plug in? 
Mm-hmm. Now, there's other things like perspectives out there that are great. The Kairos course, there's a few other ones out there. But if you get a chance to even do a few build in your Sunday school or uh, focus for some of your small groups or other kinds of things where you might take some of those same materials, you could have some outcomes of people that are capturing why this is important to plug into. So just think it through how you plug people in and find people. Uh, how do I involve them? Well, uh, I here, here's a challenge. Uh, a lot of times as you have maybe new people coming in or people that are just starting to understand missions, I have a lot of people that might say, hey, well, why aren't we partnering with this or doing that? Or I've got a nephew or a cousin, uncle doing this. Can't we partner with them? And I think it's really, really important when you're leading out, you know, a focus on global that you have a vision and a purpose that your church is focused on. There's so much, I mean, it's, it is so many options out there, even just within the Alliance context, there's so many different things between access, comma, marketplace, and vision, and all the different continents. And I mean, I could go on and on and on about the possibilities. And I would say a church, you got as a leader, you got to narrow that down to where you're going to focus. And then when you do that and you lay that out with a clear uh, strategy and outcomes involved and thinking it through, that allows people to buy in because you can create job descriptions for any role Uh, You can see where someone has an overlap with skill sets, maybe a passion for that part of the world. And that's how I target who I'm going to be reaching out to to come on board. And people that have full buy-in to that whole vision, really, if you have people that are always going to be trying to sidetrack, yeah, I I don't really look at them too hard. I I don't have time to mess with that. I'm I'm looking for those that are going to have buy-in to what your church is plugging into. And this kind of goes back to that whole focus of um, relationship and who are you connected to and what does that mean to you? I mean, it's especially wonderful when it's somebody that's been sent out from your church. You want to plug in with them. Two thirds of our people are Alliance, but a third of them are not Alliance. And we're still going to love on them because they got a calling and we're going to back them up. Um, I got people that are about uh, what we would call member care, loving on our workers. Yeah, I do a lot of touch beats as the mission pastor, but I'll tell you, we really developed a great model where I have an individual or a couple that's connected to each one of our families that touch bases regularly through all these different great mechanisms to text or email or do video chat calls. And they are the ones that help feed our prayer guide that we have a prayer guide that goes out there. We got another booklet that we call our global guidebook that shows our partnerships and each of the families that are serving uh, and kind of a an encapsulated explanation of what that looks like. So anybody, I want to have ways that I can onboard somebody and start helping them understand what it's about. And uh, the way I talk about this, you might think it's just a finely oiled machine and works perfectly, but this is hard work <laughs> and it, it doesn't happen overnight. And there's an ebb and flow when you see people transitioning and, and or, or being called to go or just as your uh, connections grow, you're always looking for new people to jump on board. So it's just, it takes a lot of hard work and looking and finding and praying the right, right people in and walking with them. And just as much as you're trying to do the connecting overseas, you're trying to connect and build a solid team around what the whole focus is of your church globally. So it's a little bit of how I think in my context, but I think it's relevant to any size church, honestly. 
Thank you, Mark. We appreciate all that you've shared this morning. A lot of great nuggets for our listeners to uh, chew on. Thanks for what you're doing for your investment as an international worker and for your continued investment in Alliance missions uh, through your role as a missions pastor. So uh, thanks for taking the time to talk with us today. Yeah, absolutely. Appreciate you, man. Thanks. And uh, again, you want to put a plug in there for people to go to the Converge conference. It's open now. You know, it's not just for big churches. It's for Get engaged and uh, people like Mark and many other guys uh, will be a blessing to you and the work they put in to help it get going. And that happens in January, January. of 2023, 9 through 11 Every January. So, All right. Mark your yeah. calendars, listeners. All right. Yeah. Thanks, Mark. Yep. You're welcome. Thank you. Great to be with you. Well, really enjoyed listening to Mark. Absolutely. Talk about yep. missions mobilization. Loved his emphasis on relationships. Hey, how about that? So it's all um, about relationships. It is all about relationships. If people connect in relationships with Alliance International Workers, they will pray and they will give. And they will give. And I think a bigger, even more part of that as well is that as people serve, they get strong, stronger. I love Agreed. Mark's emphasis on the mutually beneficial partnerships that we can have. And it benefits the local church and the international workers. And I love the fact that he talked about teams. You know, I think sometimes local church pastors can get overwhelmed thinking, I can't do all that on top of everything else I do. And I said, we're saying, you're right, you can't. But you can have a team of people. Just build it slowly, you know? So you got two people that you want to have, you know? All right, you got two now. Just add them and start working at things together and build some excitement. You don't have to do it all. You do not. Agreed. So, uh, pastor, leader, if you're listening to this, make sure your missions mobilizer in the church gets it. Your missions committee chairman, whatever you call them, make sure they get it and have the opportunity to uh, listen to it. We're glad you'd listen each and every time. We enjoy doing this. We might do it if no one listened but we really appreciate the fact that some do listen. Mm-hmm. So next episode, we'll be with uh, Kevin Pies, our federal military chaplain endorser. Looking forward to that. Meanwhile, keep the faith. Thank you for joining us on this episode of the Equipping You podcast. If you liked this episode, please consider subscribing and rating our channel. We hope you will join us for our next episode. For more information on this podcast and other ministries of the Alliance, visit equippingyou.org.